Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Sultan, Tony Dosen. Yes, welcome to Splinters on a Tuesday night on Triple H 100.1 FM. Also, live web streaming on a Tuesday night at www.triplehfm.com.au or you can pick us up on podcast at podcasts.com or all the other good places you pick up your podcasts as well. Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, and for a special edition this time around, you can also pick us up later in the week at steelsports.com.au. Why, you ask? Well, it is that time of the year. It's not too far away from the start of the rugby league season, particularly at the lower levels underneath the NRL. So, as promised in earlier editions, it's time to talk all things Canterbury Cup, the main feeder competition, the New South Wales Rugby League's flagship open-age competition. It's hard to believe it's only four and a bit weeks to kick off as this episode of Splinters goes to air. So, as we did 12 months ago, it's time to bring in the heavy artillery and to preview what's ahead starting on March the 14th or thereabouts, an old friend, an old broadcaster on this place and currently doing good things at steelsports.com.au. He's also still a director, don't know how, of the Newtown Jets, the premiership defending Newtown Jets. I speak of his lordship, Albie Tallarico, and he joins us for this special edition of Splinters. Hello again, Albie. Hello, Tony, and it's great to be uh, on a program that is so punctual. Indeed, absolutely. We wouldn't have it any other way. Well, let's turn the clock back a little bit and whet the appetite for those of you that are looking forward to the March 14 kickoff. This is how we at Triple H saw the closing stages of that thrilling Canterbury Cup Grand Final at the end of last September. A cut, a cut they cross Newtown to Trindle out the back. Here's the stab kick from Magulius. He's looking for the weak corner. Phillips, Phillips is gone. Inside pass for Kennedy. Oh, Will Kennedy. Will Kennedy makes the way. And Will Kennedy scores the winning try for Newtown. Wow. Right the post. What a play on the last tackle. Magulius, he opted for the kick. He found Tyrone Phillips down. No, they're sending it upstairs looking for onside. They're going to check the onside. Todd Smith says it's a try. He just wants to make sure that's a try for your life. And Will Bonner Kennedy, the controversial inclusion, as he stayed on the field when he perhaps should have been ordered off under the headbid provisions 10 minutes before the end of regulation, has scored the winning try. That kick loses. Is Tyrone Phillips onside, though? They're going to have another look at this. The angle wasn't wide enough on replay. The Magpies White Tower. Phillips has gone down in back play as well. Will the Kennedy, they're checking the, gu- the grounding now. They're saying it's okay. Kennedy grounds it under the post. Here's the winning try for the Newtown Jets. What a play for Billy McGurlius. Late at the tackle count. Rolling the dice. Try. Try is given for Will Kennedy under the post. Newtown regain the lead. Newtown 18. One with Phil 15. To come, Magpies Waitara scoreboard, 1.55 to go in extra time. From 35 metres out, the tap goes out to seven, to Davies, there's the siren, James Davies, no. goes to ground 
the tackle of Nobi Ruma. That's it. It's all over. The Newtown Jets make up for the disappointment of 2018 at Leichhardt Oval. They win their first Canterbury Cup, New South Wales Cup title since 2012 when they also came from seventh spot to win a great grand final at the Balmain Ride Eastwood. A great grand final here today at Bankwest Stadium, Parramatta. Won in extra time by the Newtown Jets. Plenty of controversial talking points out of the match, make no doubt about that. Final score, Magpies by Tyra scoreboard. Newtown 20 have defeated Wentworthville 15. I tell you what, Albie, it whets the appetite, uh, doesn't it, and brings back some great memories. I know you called the game for your place, not too far from where we called it from ours. It was a tremendous grand final and a great way to end the season. Yeah, it was just something special. You know, to be involved, just not... You know, I, I was fortunate. I was able to sit on the sideline. Uh, so I got to feel it. And, and at about oh, a few minutes, about four or five minutes to go till full-time, I said to the boys, I said, I think, I think we're done. I think, Wendy, you've got our number. But I didn't believe what I saw. And it's one of those great things, you know, great fairy tales with Billy Magulius backing himself. And, of course, he did exactly the same thing on the final play of the game the following week to win the national championship. And on that occasion, I was high up in the rafters in one of those, you know, boxes, which you know, I sometimes get invited to. And on this occasion, I did. And I jumped up and down. It was the best grand final on the day. It was better than the NR grand final, better than the ladies' grand final. And it meant so much to Newtown. Um, you know, one, one hopes that, you know, that they're not the victim of their own success, but looking at the draw this year, which we'll talk about a little bit later on, they already are. But that's rugby league, and you've got to go with the ebbs and the flows. Uh, what a, just what a sensational afternoon. Um, I never realised how good that particular stadium was, and I know there was about between five and 6,000 people there, but wasn't it loud? Oh, absolutely. It has its own ambience, that Bankwest Stadium at Parramatta. It was uh, a great first visit for a lot of people. Well, um, we move forward now as much as we'd like to remember what happened that day. 2020 isn't far away. And the Newtown Jets are now the hunted. They are no longer the hunters. And arguably, they start the defence of their uh, Canterbury Cup and National Championship titles with the match of the round in round one, a match that isn't going to be televised against the South Sydney Rabbitohs on the opening Sunday of the uh, Canterbury Cup competition at 4pm at... Well, they like to call it Metricon High Performance Stadium, but we know it as Redfern Oval. It'll be a cracking game uh, first up. It will be. And one of the great things about that Oval, as you will know, is it's quite it's right on top of the ground. It's quite intimate. It is the match of the round uh, between South and Newtown. And the fact that it's not a TV game will probably lend to the fact is that there will be a very big crowd out there. And I, I actually think they'll get quite a few thousand people out there on both sides of the ground. So we're looking forward to We're going to be calling that particular game on Steel Sports, which we're really looking forward to. It's going to be a great afternoon. Um, and something special happens at, at Redfern Oval or Metricon High Performance Centre. As such, it just, you, could, you, could, you could smell the history. You could feel the ghosts of Redfern. And, and I know for a fact Bobby McCarthy's going to be out there. They've invited Ron Coot up who we know tragically lost his home during the fires. He's been invited up to, to, to have a chat to the boys. Uh, so I think it's going to be a very special afternoon out there at uh, out Redburn Way. Um, they want to make a big deal of it. And, and the fact that South, you know, they came back last year, 
I would think that they, they had a soft launch, if you know what I mean. They've, they've got rid of a lot of cobwebs, uh, but I think this year they're going to really go for it. Well, they still got to within one game of the grand final, the Rabbitohs, in uh, 2019. And uh, it would have been a tremendous grand final had they played uh, Newtown if they had qualified. But as it turned out, they didn't. Um, as I've mentioned elsewhere, Billy Magulius, tremendous end of the season. He's carried on that form with Greece in their qualification for next year's World Cup. It will depend on how much time he spends up the line, as it will be the case with a lot of these clubs and a lot of these players, how much time they spend up the line uh, in the NRL, which will determine how their Canterbury Cup teams go. Oh, without question. You know, Billy, I call him the Greek Robbie Farah. You know, he's super serious about everything. But the one thing about him is, is that he just... You know, he, he took on playing for Newtown as if it was one of the one of the great moments of his life. You know, a lot of guys drop back or, or when they're heading up, they, they don't want to know about that reserve grade or, or you know, second-tier football. He embraced it for all it was. He really got stuck in the blokes that didn't give 100%. He gave 120%. He's a Keiju fellow, but they told him not to kick twice. And twice he said, no, I'll do my own thing. And uh, he won the game on both occasions. I predict an absolutely huge career for this guy. I don't know how long he'll stay at Cronulla for. I think the big dollars will come, you know, in the next one to three years for him. Just and, and you know, his, his dad's a mad rugby league, you know, people they they you know, there was a team of them, as you well know, that came that were playing at New Zealand, that were a part of the mascot jet through that South Studio system. They couldn't get picked up by South, so they all ended up it all ended up all over the place and then they found a sub home at Newtown, so it was very special. So that'll make that opening round match uh, give with a little bit of more extra pep. Having a look at the sketchy details of signings at this stage, it does appear that Wes Lolo has uh, come back, Brock Gray has signed, Tyler Tamu, Brock Eilert, Zach Wolford, uh, a journeyman, has made his way across, as has Eddie Iono from Mounties. Uh, I would expect that... Uh, uh, they will be there and thereabouts. Of course, they've lost Greg Eastwood into retirement, although he may end up uh, with the feeder, one of the feeders, the uh, Glebe uh, Concord Wolves. Be interested to see yeah, what happens when they meet in that. a... I think they'll, they'll make that announcement this weekend. Uh, when they play each other on February the 15th, we can uh, confirm that Glebe Burwood and Newtown will play at Wentworth Park in a trial match on yeah, Saturday the 15th of February at 4 o'clock. And it's the first time they've played together in oh, almost 100 years, I thought, uh, which I think is fantastic for both sides. You know, Glebe, Glebe have really tried hard to re-engage, not just within their community, but re-engage with the historians of rugby league. I mean, we have this running battle about who is the first rugby league side, and Glebe will say it's them, and Newtown will say it's them. But, you know, we, we claim that we were, we were born on the same day as Elvis Presley, so two kings were born on the same day. Uh, and so, but Glebe is just, you know, they're a feeder club to Newtown, uh, of which Sydney Uni is a feeder club to Glebe. So it's a nice synergy. It's, it's some really good, you know, inner west synergy that, that happens uh, in, you know, in that area of Newtown Glebe and, of course, that big Darlington County uh, of, of Sydney University. Uh, so when they play together, you know, the history that you can get between all the clubs and how much it means to everyone is nothing sort of fantastic. Well, well we that. need to mean something to Glebe and uh, Sydney Uni because they both struggled last year. Uh, in their respective competitions. But we'll come to that when we preview the Ron Massey Cup and Sydney Shield in a future edition of Splinters in coming weeks. The Canterbury Cup will kick off on Saturday the 14th of March. Newcastle will play the New Zealand Warriors in the 
pay television Fox Sports match at Hunter Stadium as a curtain raiser to the NRL fixture. And that's one of the key factors of the Canterbury Cup draw this year. No less than 56 matches, a record high, just on 42% of the total home and away draw will be played on NRL game days. Now, I know that there's mixed feelings about that from yourself and myself. There does appear to be a push in some sectors uh, of the rugby league community to bring the Canterbury Cup and Jersey flag and bring it back to three grades on the one day, as was the case in days gone by. But to counter that, Newtown and, to a lesser extent, North Sydney have made a real fist of doing things standalone. Uh, without question. You know, the 3 o'clock Saturday and 3 o'clock Sunday, we own Saturday and the Bears own Sunday. Well... It doesn't seem like the draw is that way. Newtown, I think, have got six Sunday games this year, uh, which will be played at 1 o'clock. Now, it's great for families, and you know, but again, through the bottom line, from a business perspective, it's going to make it a little bit harder for Newtown. So we're going to have to be smarter. We're going to have to be more wiser from a, from a broader director point of view. But saying that, you know, we'll get more families to the game, we hope, uh, at that time. And we hope that we, we can continue with, with what we've got. I mean, when they came and televised our games and we really pushed hard on that Saturday 1 o'clock a few years ago, North Sydney and Newtown, it was a spectacular game and a spectacular finish. Right after that, everyone started ringing. They realised how special that this competition is. When they did the same match at North Sydney Oval, and I think you were there that afternoon, they saw how special it was to the people of North Sydney. We keep embracing that. And, and, and uh, I think it was two years ago when they had Western Suburbs out at Lipcombe. Well, you have Singo and Tommy out there. All of a sudden, the past meets the present and the present meets the future. And what it does is it just it, it connects everyone. And it just doesn't matter whether you're a, you know, a millionaire or a minnow, whether you played the game or whether you're just a supporter and you wear your jersey. Those blokes who were disenfranchised throughout the Super League War, of which we were both there, um, but that have come back. And, and I'm so proud for the Western Suburbs team and the Western Suburbs Club to keep the black and white, especially with Victor on the front. It just recaptures so many great memories, and, and I know when I bought a T-shirt, I loved it so much, the old Victor one. And every time I wear it, people pull you aside. Go, oh, I remember the Mighty Magpies, same as the Blue Bags, same as the Bears. Um, and, you know, those sorts of sides just mean so much to the competition. And it rekindles, you know, that, that great nostalgia, whether you went with your dad or grandfather or, you know, those sorts of things. Those people start coming back after the game. For 10 bucks a head, it's great value. It certainly is. But as you rightly point out, um, the television commitments have skew-whiffed them a little bit with those six Sundays that Newtown have got and the seven Saturdays that North Sydney have ended up with this year. There are other mitigating circumstances with North Sydney, of course. Not just Northern Suburbs Shoot Shield, but the North Shore Mariners are going to be using North Sydney Oval this year in the NPL, the State League Soccer uh, top flight with the return of the Mariners uh, and top flight soccer to North Sydney Oval since the Northern Spirit days. Uh, but certainly some of those uh, traditional games have been skewed, skewed around a little bit. Now, uh, for example, the North Sydney Newtown Frank Hyde Shield games, they're both going to be done and dusted in the first half of the season. Uh, yeah. Game one will be on Easter Sunday on the free-to-air coverage on Channel 9. That's Sunday the 12th of April. And then the return match is going to be on the 30th of May. 
So yep. the Frank Hyde Shield will be done and dusted by round 12, which is maybe not necessarily a good thing. No, it's not. It's not. I mean, but, you know, what I think what they've tried to do is is to ensure that the draw mirrors the NRL as best they can. And I appreciate from that, you know, logistics point of view. But, again, you know, when you become the victim of your own success, success does sometimes take over. And, and this is what we can see is happening. And, and I don't mind. I really want everyone to, to watch North Sydney Bears play. I want everyone to see Newtown play. And some people can't get to the ground. And if TV is the way that they've got to do it, then I'm all for it as long as they promote it, as long as they can finance it, as long as they get more people out there. So there needs to be a, a total rethink about how those particular games are promoted to not just the local communities, but rugby league fans that may not want to go to the NRL, but they'll come to a, a New South Wales rugby league fixture. And the curtain raise is always just as good, whether it's a fleet game, a ladies game, uh, or a junior kid A-grade or junior A-grade competition. There's always something happening. And when you think about $10 as, as value to get in the gate, it's nothing short of good, uh, good value and, and a bargain basement price. Problem is that a lot of clubs treat the New South Wales Canterbury Cup as a chore rather than yes. something to promote. Speaking of Western Suburbs, the Back to Lidcombe Day appears to be round 15 on Sunday the 28th of January as another Channel 9 free-to-air fixture. Uh, and it'll be St George Illawarra that have the honour of playing the Back to Lidcombe Day uh, this season. I can also reveal exclusively for this edition of Splinters that Western Suburbs are in negotiations at the moment as we speak to move the match against South Sydney in round 12 set down for Sunday the 31st of May on the same day as the Frank Hyde game 2 to be played at Pratton Park Ashfield. In the channel yeah. in the channel nine five past one time slot. Now, this whilst it's correct. great whilst it's great for Western Suburbs to press for Pratton Park, this is probably what you're talking about. It is ridiculous that these two great fixtures or possibly great fixtures will cannibalise each other within three hours of each other between one part of Sydney and the other, between the Frank Hyde game two, which is not on television at North Sydney Oval, and if Western Suburbs can succeed in getting the match against South Sydney, played at Pratton Park two hours earlier. Well, the Frank Hyde Shield on that game, now according to the draw, has moved back to the Saturday at 3 o'clock at North Sydney Oval. So maybe, maybe... Uh, that Common sense has stop. prevailed here. It seems common sense has prevailed. I know they were talking with Pratton Park, and I'm, uh, which I've been banging on about for years, and, and I and literally, I know that over like the back of my hand. I was brought up down the road. I played cricket there. Uh, I underground. I watched West play North Sydney when they came back for a few games in the, uh, in the mid to late 80s. And then, of course, there was a lot of soccer there on the ground as well with Sydney Olympics, and you talked about the old NPL days. Well, that was the premier days when that used to happen. To have Western Suburbs for me at Pratton Park would be one of the greatest thrills that I could ever imagine. The issue is the grass and the issue is the soccer out there, but I know that they're close in negotiations there. Nine have said they've given it the pick of approval. They've worked out how they can broadcast there, which I think is fantastic from their behalf. If they push it and they and they make it, and being that it's South Sydney, well, I think you could find three to 4,000 through the gate. And then you'd have, if the uh, Frank Hyde Shield game is moved to the Saturday, another three or 4,000 there, it would be tremendous. Now, Absolutely. we'll quickly rush through a few of... Uh, 
some of the other sides. Uh, Newtown, though, will be there and thereabouts, you would think, and you would think that South Sydney would be there and thereabouts at the back end of the season again, wouldn't you? Oh, without question. I think South have done some good recruiting. Uh, they've had a change in, in coach as well. Uh, back to Western Suburbs, their coaches, as you well know, Wayne Snoopy Collins, who was a great a great player, a great hooker for both St. George and Canberra, uh, learned his trade as a, as, a, as a coach under Tim Sheens and Brian Smith. I don't know about you, but they're two great shooters. Absolutely. And, of course, uh, the move of Brett Hodgson away into the West Tigers system has allowed Wayne Snoopy Collins uh, to come in. Uh, Newcastle as a, and the New Zealand Warriors, as I mentioned, they opened the Canterbury Cup in the Fox Sports match on Saturday the 14th of March as one of those curtain-raiser games. And I'm a bit fearful about the New Zealand Warriors given their decision to pull out of the jersey flag this year. I really don't know where players are going to be dropped back to. If they are yeah. dropped from the Canterbury Cup, uh, do they drop in class to the domestic New Zealand competition? Um, maybe they're just going to treat it as a bit of a, a feeder. Newcastle, young side again. Tex Hoy is an outstanding prospect. How much uh, more time does he have to spend in the shadows waiting for the likes of uh, Ponga and Mitchell Pearce to, to fall over remains to be seen? Oh, without question. I'm, I'm, I think it's now Newcastle's uh, opportunity to have a go. You know, they've, they've promised a lot and haven't delivered a lot you know, in the last couple of years. But I think Adam O'Brien, he's, he's taking a whole team approach uh, and he will flush things out of there. And I, I, I rate him highly. He's a, he's a rookie coach in the NRL, but his experience in going through the system, through the Bellamy system and also the Roosters-Robinson system will only add to what he knows. And if he had sprinkles, as they say, but a bit of fairy dust on top of that, they could be the dark horse for me. I've got this funny thing that they could be the dark horse. They've got nothing to lose and everything to prove. And Rory Jason uh, will further add to the Melbourne polish now that he's got a couple of years and, uh, with the clipboard under the belt. Now, uh, North Sydney, um, as mentioned, they uh, made the playoffs. They were bounced out in week two. They go to the foot of the mountains to take on the Penrith Panthers uh, in the uh, curtain raiser to an NRL fixture on Saturday evening, the 14th of March, in the uh, uh, Twilight Zone at 5.20. Uh, the Penrith Panthers, perennial finalists uh, at this level of the game. They've won two titles in recent years, 2014 and 2017, they always have to be respected. Oh, you know, Penrith are aside, you know, last year we saw Wentworth who came to the fall. I mean, it was another one of those cases, seven play eight. And and the Panthers, I, just, I thought the back end of the season, they were just disappointing. And I know there was a lot of, you know, with the whole Clary thing and all the Penrith thing, it went through the whole club with all the controversy last year. And everyone gets affected by controversy, no matter what you do. Oh, they put it out the back of their mind. Forget about it. They just... It just affected them so much. They've cleared the decks now. So I think this is Cleary's time to shine as a head coach and make sure that the reserve grade and the feeder side are well, are well stocked and promoted because at the end of the day, Penrith is the last bastion out there. They're the last bastion for the NRL and rugby league. You know, in the, in that, in that west, in the direct western side, the foot of the mountain, those people. But their alliances with, you know, Dubbo Sins and, and other areas out, out there in the northwest is nothing short of amazing, and it's fantastic that they play games up there. I think it's great around Orange and places like that. It brings life to the town. And, you know, you go out there, and yes, it does cost money, and the councils do provide some sort of infrastructure as well, but they'll come back with another superstar. And 
it was like what Frank Stacey used to do with St. George in the 50s and 60s. He'd put the team on a bus, didn't tell them where they were going. All of a sudden, they rock up to a pub and go, do you want to go outside and play footy against Reg Gazney? And all these blokes would run out and make them say, say we played against them. And I want you to meet my boy, you know, young Tony. He was a good player, all right? Send him up to Sydney. And that's how they got the best players. And Penrith are doing the great thing. They're going to where the apples are, where the apples are growing. And uh, they also go outside the box. Uh, they were Absolutely. a big part of the development of Mike Acevo. When he was coming through the grades, he uh, had the polish put on him at Penrith before he went to Parramatta. And speaking of Parramatta... Well, let's, let's not forget, uh, and I'll tell you a great story, Isaiah Yo. I was at a function late last year and uh, some years ago uh, with another involvement of another club that I was involved with, the Coochie Dolphins. We played in the Invitational Seven. And we played against the Americans at the Sydney Football Stadium in 2003. And it was a, it was a special match that they set aside. And I went up, and at this function was Matty Johns, and I went over to him, and I had a bit of a chat with him. And I said, can I show you a photo, Matt? So I show him this photo, and he goes, there I am. I said, who's that? He goes, that's Mark Ira. I said, who's that? He goes, that's Brett Mullins. I said, and who's that? He goes, Chief, you look familiar. I said, have you heard of, ever heard of Isaiah? Yeah, and he goes, yes. I said, that's his father. He didn't realise that he'd actually played a game of football with Isaiah Yo's father. Un- unbelievable. Now, speaking of Parramatta, uh, before we take uh, the break, um, as mentioned, Wentworth Phil, they played in that grand final last year. It was their last appearance as Wentworth Phil. Uh, the parting of the ways, Parramatta have decided to uh, go in their own right into the Canterbury Cup, uh, into the feeder competition of the NRL for the first time in a number of years. And they will play the first free-to-air Channel 9 game on Sunday, March the 15th against Canterbury Bankstown at Campbelltown Stadium. One suspects this has been something put on for television, which isn't going to get a lot of people there. But uh, Parramatta have decided to do their own thing. They've parted company with Rip Taylor and Mick Potter. They've brought in their own people. Jared Farlow, the Mounties coaches, the assistant, or the ex-Mounties, Massey Cup, Massey Cup coaches, the assistant. There'll be some excitement about Parramatta coming in but they're not going to be playing a lot of games at Ringrose Park, only two at the back end of the season, and they're going to be playing a lot of their early games on television at Campbelltown. I don't get it. Well, I don't either, but I think it's good for Parramatta as a brat. I think that it shows that it's cradle to grave. With their new centre of excellence that they're building out at Terry Hills, which should almost be finished, uh, it's going to be fantastic for them. So I think that they need to engage in that Hills district again, really engage with the Parramatta district as well, that's why they wanted to put them all under under one colour, like the Canterbury system, who, you know, they had an affiliation with the Sydney Bulls for many years. They're the same scenario with that cradle to the grave all the way through in the one colour. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to basically do what other clubs were successful back in the 80s. And guess who was successful in the 80s? Well, for that decade of dominance, Parramatta Hills were probably one of the most successful clubs in grand finals and finals appearances. Alongside Canterbury-Bankstown, who will be their opponents... Uh, in that first television match in round one. And Canterbury-Bankstown, the 2018 Canterbury Cup uh, Premiers, had a slightly disappointing season last year. It was an inconsistent year. They still got to week two of the finals. They have kept the Marshkey twins again, uh, yep. Ben and Jesse. And it, you want to talk about players that need to step up. The Marshkey twins need to step up and get close to NRL quality if Canterbury are going to have another big year in the Canterbury Cup. Canterbury, you know, they had a good couple of years, didn't they? Um, a few years back and when they, when they won. Um, they beat your lot in that 2018 grand final, of course. You know, they, they, they won a year and a half. Who was the coach? It was a big Andy was the coach back then of, uh, 
uh, and they defeated Newtown and they came back from winning that. Steve Georgialis, of course, who went on to uh, further up the system and uh, take the Greeks to the World Cup. Steve Georgialis, and I was so happy for him. What a great bloke, and he's done very well with the Greece, Greek national side as well. Um, you know, he wears his heart on his sleeve. He's well entrenched in that system, uh, which is which is great. He knows how to talk to the guys that are coming through to keep themselves focused. Last year was a tad disappointing, but, you know, sometimes it's that premiership hangover. This year, you know what, Canterbury... Canterbury are on the way up in all their grades right across. They've got a, they've got a very stable board at the moment. Uh, everyone has got re-elected just the other day, which I think is good for Canterbury. So everything's now stable. It's up to them. I, I still rate their coach, Dean Pace. I think he could do a great thing out, out there at, uh, in the NRL. And uh, as long as they continue with their policy of cradle to the grave, they'll be fine. Well, Parramatta will have a bulk of that wet with Phil side turning out in Canterbury Cup. So you'd have to expect that they would uh, be there and thereabouts again, as would uh, Canterbury-Bankstown. All right, we've already reached half-time. Hard to believe time is flying when you're having fun. We'll take the break, and on the other side, we'll continue the preview of the 2020 Canterbury Cup with a look to round one on the weekend of March 14 and 15 as well, as this episode of Splitters continues. The 2019 Australian Ice Hockey League season has concluded with your All About Caring Sydney Bears winning it all. That doesn't mean it's all over for the year on the hockey front. Log on to bearsshop.com.au for all your Bears merchandise options. And stay tuned to Splinters and the Bench for updates coming out of the Australian Women's Ice Hockey League and the world's top competition, the National Hockey League. Sydney Bears, hear us roar. Sponsors of Triple H. Tuesday night on Triple H 100.1 FM at www.triplehfm.com.au and wherever you pick up your podcasts, podcasts.com, Spotify, tune in, steelsports.com.au and all the bad places you pick up your podcasts as well. My name is Tony Dosen, the Sultan. We're having a look at the Canterbury Cup 2020 which is four and a bit weeks away from kickoff, as this episode of Splinters was being put to bed. Saturday, March 14, Sunday, March 15 is round one, and Albie Tallarico, the lordship of steelsports.com.au, is with me. Let's go back to the other half, the other six sides of the Canterbury Cup in 2020. The same 11, uh, or the other, the same other 11 outside of the change, the swap of Wetworthfield to Parramatta, are backing up again for the 2020 season. And two of those sides that are linked to NRL clubs in a roundabout way square off at Brookvale Oval on the Sunday afternoon of round one, March 15, as a curtain raiser to the Manly-Canberra game that will follow, 155, Blacktown Workers' Seagulls versus Mounties. Now, Blacktown Workers' Seagulls, Albie, had a stormy first three years of the arrangement with Manly Waringa when Manly decided for financial reasons under the former CEO, Mr Kelly, to uh, cut the uh, New South Wales Cup side as it was then and send them out to Blacktown. Pat Wisner, we all know what happened there. And he lasted about six or eight weeks before an internal push saw him dumped and they struggled and they've continued to struggle 
for all of those uh, three years. There was a bit of light at the end of the tunnel at the end of last year. Manly have kept the faith, probably out of convenience more than anything else, and have signed with Blacktown for another three years. On the other hand, Mounties, quite happy with their arrangement with the Canberra Raiders. They're backing up again, and they made the playoffs last year, but didn't get too far when they got there. It's a critical year, I think, for both of these two sides at this level of the game. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Tony. You know, they're the, they're the two sides that, you know, really play not just with the alliances, but for their region. And it's important for Rugby League in Blacktown to, you know, have a great, you know, another avenue to get to an NRL side as well through Blacktown. So I think it's a great way for a pathway. And Mounties, they love their Rugby League. And I mean, if ever a club loves Rugby League, it's Mounties. They are dyed-in-the-wool Rugby League supporters. And when you pop out there, they're all the people that run the canteen. You know, it, some people, I say to people, like, it's, it's like coming to a country town. And I said, don't take that as an insult. It's just by what I mean. Right? Everyone knows your name. They know what you want to drink. They know what you want to eat. And they really go out of their way to look after you. And, and the facility at Aubrey Keach that they've spent a lot of money on is excellent. Absolutely excellent. Okay, there's no grandstand as such, but there's tiered seating and terraced seating yep. where you can sit or stand. It's a nice place to watch football. Having a look at Blacktown, of course, they've spent all their money on the Laybutt uh, complex, and it's uh, their grandstand is also outstanding, even if sometimes the media facilities leave a little bit to be decided, but I only say that tongue-in-cheek. We are broadcasting the open air out there at Blacktown to really get a grassroots feel for the game. The Blacktown squad that was announced is pretty much the same old, same old, with a couple of uh, names again popping up. Andy Saunders, Tyler Castle, uh, but a lot of players who have been there and there about... That's another good name. Look at that. Isn't that a great rugby league name? Uh, Reed Isard, yes, of course. Um, But across the board, Mitch Butfield, a Wentworthville veteran, uh, a lot of Massey Cup players have been signed. So there is going to be some movement between, clearly, the New South Wales Cup and Massey Cup, depending on what Steve Hales is given to him uh, up the line by Des Hasler. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that Steve Hales learned a lot. You know, and I think he's, he's one of those coaches that's on the move. Um, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if in the next one to, one to two years he'll end up as an NRL assistant coach. I really do rate him, and he's a very nice guy. And I think with the, what comes up and down, if he can make them gel, he'll be fine. And, you know, he's, he's a hard taskmaster, uh, but uh, I think he's, learned, he's learning a lot from, uh, from the great manipulator in Dev Hasler. And uh, he, he takes all that on board. And Steve Howes could be, you know, your next Justin Holbrook. I mean, you think about Justin Holbrook, he came through these divisions, he won back-to-back premierships, and then, when, you know, he, he tested his borders as an assistant, went overseas. And now he's back uh, with his squad up at the uh, up at the Gold Coast. Absolutely, and made a real fist of it overseas. And given that Steve Hales was, you know, thrown in at the deep end uh, in the wake of the Pat Wisner sacking and the trauma and the drama that that entailed halfway through year one, he's now got an opportunity to uh, really make a, a good fist of it out at Laybutt. For Mounties, a couple of signings. Kieran Moss has come across from the North Sydney Bears. Uh, yeah. Jack Miller has come across from Wentworthville. They're two very good young players. The rest of the squad, as uh, was announced, uh, Cameron Cryer has also come across, the South African international uh, from Blacktown Workers Seagulls. Uh, they also have a lot of those massy fringe 
NRL fringe Canterbury Cup players like Sam Duggan, like Roman Ioilu, uh, like Willie Mataka, who will be the backbone of their side again. Well, and it's great to see another Matheson there. Uh, he'll be playing uh, in the Mounties colours, uh, which is a good thing for, for young Dean Madison. And that's, of course, Coach Greg Madison's nephew. So there's another Madison involved. I mean, this family goes back in the rugby league to the 1920s in Western Suburbs when there was, uh, I think, four or five brothers played first grade for what was then known as the, uh, the Cherry Pickers and then they became known as the Magpies. And uh, one of them had uh, quite a few daughters and then the other had quite a few sons. And uh, on the way down, of course, you've got Terry and Greg and there's a couple of sons in that in their brothers as well. And young Dean Madison carries the tradition of another great rugby league uh, dynasty. And he will have a big year ahead of him at Mounties, perhaps feeding into a strong Canberra system as the Raiders up the line try and uh, prove that last year's run to the grand final was no fluke. Now, we mentioned Western Suburbs, of course. They've changed their coach with the change of structure there in the West Tigers set up uh, up the line where Mr Maguire has had a, a much firmer hold. Wayne Snoopy Collins, a journeyman, but a classy uh, salt-of-the-earth rugby league individual now has the clipboard at Western Suburbs. And they travel to Wollongong on the opening weekend to take on Matthew Head's St George Illawarra Dragons. Now, whilst there's pressure up the line, as we all know in the St George Illawarra system, Matt Head is just going along nice and quietly. They were perhaps the, uh, the side that threatened... All year last year in the Canterbury Cup, they got to preliminary finals day, but in the end, they just came up that little bit short in that preliminary final. Yeah, they did. I think Matthew has come a long way. I mean, we followed his career when he was uh, out of our main coaching uh, in the ball system out there, and he won out there. Came across back to St George, worked through again a couple of grades, and has been now a couple of years as the reserve grade or Canterbury Cup New South Wales coach out there, and he's learned so much. Uh, they only just got, you know, they only just lost that match uh, in the semi-finals uh, yeah, last year. To Newtown in that preliminary final. Yeah. Yep, so that Todd was Jubilee Oval. Yeah, but I predict big things uh, from St George this year and uh, coming up against Western Suburbs in round one will be a good test to see how things could roll down. You, you know, premierships aren't won in March, but it's good to bank a few points. So I think St George knowing that there could be some uh, things happening uh, potentially to the coach if he's not successful. Matthew Head will be ready to fill, step in and fill in the breach. And even though the Flanagan's there, he cannot coach an NRL side for another 12 to 18 months. So Matthew Head could become a de facto first grade coach until things happen. So he knows what he needs to do. And uh, thus far, I think in his career at St George, he's been very successful. Charlie Runciman, the journeyman, oh, is yep. uh, uh, the, the, the name that sticks out on their playing list from uh, the players that have been announced uh, so far. And as I mentioned, uh, right at the top, Souths and Newtown complete the opening round at Redfern Oval. Let's hope that we don't get the Noah's Ark conditions that ran through Sydney in early February and we get good fine weather for that late twilight zone kickoff, 4pm, no television coverage on uh, the opening Sunday afternoon, uh, the 15th of March. Now, speaking of Redfern Oval... Uh, we go uh, to other initiatives this year. The Magic Round, which was a success or otherwise, depending on who you speak to, will be used again uh, this year, or the concept will be tried again this year, one week earlier than was the case in 2019. 
this year's Magic Round will be round eight on the weekend of the 2nd and 3rd of May. And two new grounds will be used for the Magic Round this year. Redfern Oval, Metricon High Performance Centre, its official new title. But Redfern will be used on the Saturday. And we go to Belmore, uh, the Belmore Sports Ground on the Sunday. And I personally think the way the draw's been uh, dished up, that the three Redfern games are far more attractive than the three Belmore games on the Sunday. The Saturday uh, fair, Norths versus West, first up at 10.40, followed by Souths versus Newcastle uh, on pay television at 12.40, and then Newtown take on Parramatta, memories of 1981 and all that at 2.45. That's a tremendous Saturday afternoon at Redfern to start the Magic Round. I can't wait. We'll be doing the trifecta of matches out there, and I look forward to you being a part of the team on that particular Saturday. I, I, I just think if there's anything about the foundation of rugby league, being that it's out there at Redfern, you've got one, two, three, four foundations. Well, technically, Newcastle was one, too. So five, and then, of course, along came Parramatta in 1947. Three great games. I, I feel bad, you know, as a director, that this game, the first game against Parramatta, is not a tension. However... Next year, the 40th year of that grand final, and it's going to be a big party out there at Henson Park next year, I can promise you that. Um, but being that it's at Redstone, you know what, it's the second best thing. It's a great ground to call from, watch football at three games for $10. If you're a rugby league fan, uh, nothing short of just, you know, it's close to everything. Uh, transport's good, everything that'll be there for you. They're, they're promising a big day out there with South Sydney people. They want it to be a success. Be, I can tell you they'll be jumping cars with music, um, cold beer for the, uh, for the oldies and soft drinks for the youngies, and it'll be great barbecues as well. And then on Sunday, well, look, I don't know how the Sunday's going to turn out, to be honest with you, as we go to Belmore, um, because, to be honest with you, I don't think these three games as a whole stack up uh, without being wanting to be too disrespectful. St George Illawarra play the New Zealand Warriors first up at 11am on that Sunday. The Channel 9 free-to-air game sees Canterbury Bankstown play Penrith at 5 past 1. And then Magic Round will finish at 10 past 3 with Mounties versus Blacktown Workers Sea Eagles. I just hope that we have something to hang our hats with on that Sunday at Belmore, but I'm not too sure. Listen, I think the Canterbury game will be great. Uh, against against Penrith, that always comes into good. There's a bit of you know, there'll be a bit of tribalism involved in that. Listen, they've got to try different things. I'm not a fan of the triple header. I think it drags the day out, and I think everyone by the end of the day just looks at each other and wants to go. I think they need to be double headers, and maybe next year they've got to really look at making them a foundation. Henson, Bear Park, and potentially Leichhardt over for your TV matches and things like that. So you know what, you've got to work with things. It's, you know, I didn't think last year. I think the three games at Hempton Park was a very long day. Um, if they can promote it right, Belmore's a good game to watch rugby league at. It's a big grandstand. It's covered. It's you know, I, I think it'll be okay. I, you know what? I'll be the optimist here on this one. Saturday is the premier day, but you know what? At the end of the day, it, it's up to New South Wales rugby league to get out there and utilise all their networks and get people out there. Well, that's going to be a celebration of rugby league. Well, that's going to be the $64,000 question. I mean, without wanting to be too critical, we have expressed our opinions. I know you have, I know I have, I know a number of other people have on various media forums and outlets in the past about the promotion or lack of. Let's just watch this space there. 
All right. And then uh, after the Magic Round, we've already touched off on the uh, Frank Hyde Shield matches. Just repeating those again. They're going to be done and dusted early. Easter Sunday, Henson Park. That's Sunday, April 12. Return leg. We now believe, you're telling me, Saturday, the uh, 29th of May at North Sydney Oval with the return match. One thing that I will be looking forward to is Saturday the 27th of June, round 15, when Canterbury-Bankstown play the South Sydney Rabbitohs. It's at the Olympic Stadium. And these will be the very last matches as part of a monster bill uh, of four games in all grades, including women's and jersey flag between Canterbury and Souths, that will farewell the ANZ Olympic yeah. Stadium at Homebush in its current formation, in its current configuration before the bulldozers move in and redesign the joint into a rectangular stadium in years to come. I, for one, feel rather sad that it's come to this. You and I remember 20 years ago when the Olympic Stadium was built, the excitement that was right across this city, that the fact that we finally had a major stadium that we could use forever, and sadly, it's only lasted 20 years. It'll be interesting to see what happens on that Saturday, the 27th of June, where Canterbury and Souths will be included. Uh, the New South Wales Cup game will be included as part of the farewell uh, fixture uh, uh, round of matches starting at 12.40. Well, I think it's fantastic. Uh, you know, I remember the very first rugby league match that was played there. The, the double header in 1999. Yeah, the, the world record 108,000 people. Correct. And, you know, what it did was, you know, they, they tested the whole ground out four year and a half before the Olympics. You know, so they had the ground ready to go. If, if something that we did right, it was the 2000 Olympics. Nothing was left to chance. The city was just bustling with people. No matter where you went, we were, we were having just a party. And it lasted for two and a half weeks, two and a half weeks back in, back in September. We got to see Kathy Freeman win gold. Australia had a sensation Olympics. But during that particular time in rugby league, I mean, some great things happened there. In 1999, you remember, of course, St. George Melbourne Grand Final. St. George almost did it, you know, to be that first merge side to come and do it. But Melbourne had only been in for two years. Following year, of course, Brisbane and, and the Roosters played out there in the, in the year 2000. That was the last daytime grand final as we know it. That's right. So a lot of history uh, happened out there, some, some magnificent things. You know, but at the end of the day, people are now wanting more boutiques. It's going to be reduced a little bit in capacity, but at the same time, you know, it'll be more rectangular. And, you know, we're a rugby league city. Uh, the rest fill up the spaces. And the fact that, you know, we'll still be going out there for Origins and Grand Finals, I still think fantastic. There's still plenty of more movement. It'll be interesting to see in the back half of the year, of course, when the SDG is used for Grand Finals this year. Jeez, I don't know. And I, still, I think it's going to be, what, I think there'll be another year before, I think it's now, what, two or three years that it's going to be at the SDG. I've, we, we remember it. The last one is 1987 there. there. The maximum it can hold really is 52,000 people. Um, of which 25,000 are taken by members. This is correct. This is correct. So, you know, it, it's going to be, there's not going to be a lot of tickets out there for the general public, but there's a certain buzz in history about it. And for a couple of years, I think we'll be okay, but I can't wait. There'll, there'll be a lot of armchair critics, though. I can promise you that. Oh, you better believe it. But it'll be a sad day when we farewell the Olympic Stadium for mine on the 27th of June. And then on the same weekend... The Back to Lidcombe Day, which is the other major uh, fixture that is penciled in for Sunday, June 28, 
Western Suburbs versus St. George Illawarra. Now, the black and white and the red and white yep. have a great history. It's checkered. It's colourful, um, depending on what side of the fence you sit on for a certain afternoon in 1963, from which the Premiership trophies from the mid-'80s were formed. Well, it's funny because, you know, you talk about those three grand finals and Mel Kelly will tell you everything about Darcy Lawler that uh, can never, ever be put on radio or even printed again. He's got words about what happened way back when. I go back, I wrote an article about a match that I attended back in 1980 at Lincoln and it is going to be 40 years. I can't believe that. 40 years since um, I, I, I saw that match. And it was, it was West v St. George. It was a mini grand final. They were both one or two at the time. St. George were the 1979 premiers. West were the 1978 premiers and probably should have been the premiers. So there was a certain buzz in the air. And I remember getting there at 11 o'clock for the third grade kickoff there. We got there at Lee over and we sat next to one of the big light poles on the, uh, on the TV side uh, or, or the non-sunny side, you know. And by, and by, and by kickoff, it was just busting. The kids were allowed on the track. Uh, as long as you didn't go on the field, you had to make sure. We made do with what we had. I mean, it's a tiny grandstand. How people did it in there is beyond me and the commentaries. And the, It was the ABC match of the day. ABC Channel 10 may have been out there back in the day with Father John Coote and, uh, and Ray Warren. And then two minutes before, four time, uh, before kickoff, the storm came across. Half <laughs> the crowd left. It was in Western suburbs prevailed. And even Graham Buckley, the late Graham Buckley, scored a couple of tries. I wrote an article about it. I'm going to have to look it up. Well, certainly with uh, West and St George doing battle on June the 28th, that may have to be brought out. Now, um, other features during the year, the Tommy Radonikas Cup, Newtown take on Western Suburbs, um, and they fall in a shadow, it's got to be said. The first match will be a standalone fixture on television on Sunday the 2nd of August in Round 20 at Henson Park. That's one of the... Sundays that some people I know you're not happy about. But then the return match is going to be a curtain raiser to an NRL fixture uh, just, what, three weeks later on the 23rd of August at uh, uh, Campbelltown Campbelltown Stadium. Yeah, you know, they will be televised. I believe both games will be, you know, and and I think, you know, this is going to be a big match to Campbelltown match. So they want all the grades out there. They really want to re-engage with you out there. I understand what they're trying to do. I, I hope that at the last minute they do change their mind and maybe play it at Pratt and Lickham or Henson, but I can't see that happening. But, you know, I respect... You know, they've got to have a go. They've got to make sure that everyone gets uh, their value for dollar these days. And I think people will go and support it. The fact that it's West and Newtown is a curtain-raiser match before an NRL game day out of Campbelltown, and I hope to get many thousands through the gate. Now, uh, finally, the Beer, Food and Footy Festival Day for Newtown. Um, I was hearing that it was being pencilled in late in August, round 21, the 8th of August. Is there anything you can shed a light on there? Yeah, it looks to be that. Uh, it looks like it's going to be the Mountains game. Hang on, let me just double-check. I've got a funny feeling. No, it's going to be the Warriors game on the 25th of July, which is a 3 o'clock kickoff. So it'll be Newtown v Warriors. Uh, so we might get a Polynesian... Uh, That'll be the, there, the 25th of July. That's round 19. Yeah, so it looks like to be that. Uh, really looking forward to that. And, you know, Polynesians will come. And, you know, it's the last year, as you well know, was bigger than the year before. And I thought we had almost close to 11,000 people out there. So I think, you know, we're going to have to shut the gates at a certain point. We are very much close to that. 
you know, late July generally the weather is pretty good. Um, as long as we can get, you know, that good weather on the on that particular date, we've got the backup now for mountains in case something goes wrong. But I think we'll be fine on that particular afternoon. It is going to be a massive afternoon out there, especially uh, if you can touch into the Polynesian uh, communities to get out there. They have great food traditions uh, themselves. Oh, I can see yeah. a hungi or two being carved into that hill at Henson Park or, or one of those roasts happening on that on that Saturday afternoon, uh, July yeah, uh, the 25th. You know, I think it'll be fantastic. It's good for the young brewers um, and it's good for the people with food. We're always tweaking it. We've got to make it better. There are certain things that we need to get better for that particular day, uh, which we discovered last year. And we're going to, you know, so we've got to bring you extra supplies with uh, around the area. Um, but, you know, I think overall, you know, you had to walk, just to give you an example, after the match at Henson Park, if you wanted to get a drink, you had to pretty much walk for three pubs before you could get a cold drink. That's how many people were in the Marathon Precinct that afternoon. And uh, hopefully, if given good weather on July 25, your bust, that well, you said unofficially it was 11,000. I think the official count came in at about... Um, seven and a half or eight. Hopefully, you can bust the ten thousand, and that would be stunning. Given that there isn't a lot on that weekend when it comes to the NRL in Sydney, certainly um, one of the issues we've touched on comes to light earlier that day in round nineteen. Fox Sports have, in their wisdom, chosen the Norths versus Canterbury game as the twelve forty match. Problem is, doesn't have a venue. Because it's a North well, Sydney it home. Does. I can reveal now okay. it does have a venue. It will be held at Henson Park. That match will be played as a curtain raiser at Henson Park. So for those people that come, come from 12 o'clock and you will get, you will get uh, two quality games of rugby league between North Sydney and Canterbury and Newtown and the Warriors. Canterbury desperately wanted to be a part of the day. Even though they lost last year, they loved it because they saw what it was about and they loved being a part of it. This year, again, when they realised that North Sydney Oval wasn't available, we went to them and said, if you would like, you can still be broadcast on TV, but would you mind playing at Henson, potentially in front of 5,000 people? And both of them had no issues with saying yes straight away. Well, that's a massive coup. You hear it here first here on Splinters, and you hear it here first on Triple H and on Steel Sports. Double header Saturday for Beer, Food and Footy Festival at Henson Park, North versus Canterbury. The pay television match, followed by Newtown versus the New Zealand Warriors, and you will surely get ten thousand through the gate for that double header if the weather is good. All right, before, before we go, I'm going to put you on the spot very briefly. Um, not so much who's going to win it, but who's going to be say grand final top four. I'll give you my top four right now. It okay. will be Newtown Souths, and I think it could be a Newtown Souths grand final just quietly, given that they'll open the Premiership in Round 1. It would be fitting that they closed it on Sunday, September 27th, for the second year of the five-year agreement of Grand Finals at Bank West Parramatta Stadium. Other sides to make the top four, throw the names up in the, in the air, and I come down with Penrith and Parramatta. What about you? Yeah, I I'm, I'm believe it will be in the top four for me. It will be Newtown. It will be West. It will be St. George. I'm going to toss the coin, Parramatta Penrith, but I'm going to go with Parramatta. Uh, with Penrith, I should say. Penrith. And you're going to leave Souths out of the top four? I am. They will be in the top eight, but I don't think they'll get the top four. All right. Uh, it's a massive year ahead. It's just about full time here on Splinters. 
Just a reminder that you'll be able to hear lots of games here on Triple H in the Canterbury Cup, as well as the Ron Massey Cup and Sydney Shield in 2020. And I know that you've already mentioned you're going to be out there for the triple header at Redfin in Magic Round. You'll be there at Redfin for round one Sunday, March 15th at 4 o'clock. We might be there at Triple H with you or as a friendly uh, colleague at another part of the grandstand. Watch this space there. Um, look at uh, the Steel Sports website, steelsports.com.au. Look at our Facebook page, The Bench, Triple H on Facebook. Uh, for all your information as we draw towards kickoff, we will be previewing the Sydney Shield and Ron Massey Cup in future weeks. I will say this only there is trouble in paradise. That is why the draws for the Massey Cup and Sydney Shield have still not been released four weeks out from the supposed kickoff. Watch this space there. Albie Tallarico, it is a pleasure as always to speak with you. Four weeks to go before kickoff. I can't wait. I can't either. I really look forward to it. I get around this time and I get a little bit itchy, but I have to go away for a little while. I'll, I'll go do some face slapping. I'm going to go see Roy Masters, get some motivation, and it's going to be fantastic. And considering that West are playing St George out at Lickham Oval, I know Roy will be one of the guests out there. I look forward to catching up with him again because he's one of the most insightful and intelligent people you can ever talk about rugby league to. Great to speak with you, Albie Tellerica. We'll speak soon. Take care, Tony. All the best. That's another edition of Splinters Done and Dusted. We'll be back next week to preview the Women's T20 Cricket World Cup. Until then, my name is Tony Dyson the Sultan. Be good or be good at it. From this episode of Splinters, it's goodbye. 